0: another episode of the AI Writers Podcast. I'm back after a nice week in the sun. Um, Joining me as usual is my lovely co-host Tom Holmes. Tom, how are you?
1: Um, Yeah, I didn't have a a lovely long week (laughs) in the sun, so um, I've I've actually been in really, really rainy England,
2: unfortunately.
0: I'm sure um, the Liverpool result brightened up your day a bit though on Tuesday and obviously the drama of uh, Wednesday's results as well, so
1: I'll be honest, honest, I wasn't wasn't sure whether you were going to be able to catch the first leg, I was kind of wondering whether you'd just come back on Saturday and be like, oh, oh, lol, what did I miss?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I caught it all, Uh, don't you worry. Um, Anyway, joining us today are two brilliant writers. Uh, First of all, we've got Joe Norton. Joe, how are you?
2: Yeah, good, good thanks, Leanne, and uh, very pleased after Tuesday night's result.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, sure we all are. Um, Also joining us is Hamza. Um, Hamza, how are you doing?
3: Uh, very well, thank you. Uh, I could not be happier. I mean, see, seeing us play so well on Tuesday and then see Rome Roger almost give it away on Wednesday night. So uh, looking good for us this season. Uh, very much looking forward to the pod and, and the rest of the games this season.
0: Yeah, it was certainly a, a very frantic week in the Champions League. Um, to, to kick us off in terms of the pod then, uh, we'll start with Hamza's article on the recent form of Liverpool's fullbacks. So Hamza, do you want to introduce your piece? Give us a little insight into your thoughts on the improvement that they've made and what we've seen over the last few weeks and, and months, really?
3: Uh, yes, yeah, sure. So, um, I remember last season towards the end, uh, the biggest concern that people had was probably the left back position with Milner playing there. And right about that was generally considered a, to be a solid position. Klein was there. He does pretty much a six and a half, seven out of 10 job every week. You get, you know what you're getting from him. Uh, but the, the real issue was what we're we going to do at left back. Moreno hadn't played for much of the season. Uh, and then we come to the start of this season and, uh, Klopp says Moreno's back. We brought uh, Robertson in and fans were pretty underwhelmed. And th- that's probably fair to say. Um, and probably f- fair for fans to, to take up really because, uh, Moreno wasn't that good, uh, in, in his first period, um, in the starting 11. Uh, he did show signs of improvement, but he, he did struggle. It's probably fair to say he did struggle. Uh, and in some cases, he was probably blamed for stuff that wasn't his fault. Uh, but th- that's not really the fans' problem. Uh, and so they were underwhelmed when they saw Moreno back in the starting 11. Some, some fans were willing to give him a chance. Some wanted to see Robertson. Some wanted to see a big money signing. And then, uh, with Klein injured, uh, there were serious concerns there. Now Gomez, who had played left back under Rogers, was being moved up to the right. And uh, Trent was being fast tracked to the team. Uh Trent had a fantastic start in the Champions League, and uh, Gomez was in, in for most of the league matches where he was filling in at right back, uh showing a good sort of a uh, solid defensive performance while Trent was clearly the the offensive uh dynamic fullback that uh we like to see, but obviously inexperienced. And uh over the course of the season we've seen a massive improvement from all of them uh Trent is now looking like an absolutely fantastic young prospect great skills going forward wonderful delivery on the ball now showing real qu- quality signs of uh, being able to cope in one on one situations he dealt with Zahara in the second half against palace really really well he dealt with Sani in both champions league legs really really well uh you've got Gomez who is who was excelling for England uh, well, he managed to get into the England team. Unfortunately, got injured, but before that, he was playing exceptionally well, showing real uh, character, uh, confidence on the ball, composure—those sort of qualities that you really want from a, a centre-back. Uh, and he was displaying them at right-back, despite that being uh, not being his native position. Uh, Robertson, as well, has been a revelation of sorts. Uh, I can't really, really fault him much for this uh, for much this season. Uh, he's been exceptional, uh, getting forward, defending. Uh, he was exceptional in the. Manchester City ties uh, in the league once called up after uh, Moreno's great run of form, uh, there was a question of whether he'd be able to, Robertson would be able to pick up where uh, Moreno left off and he certainly had and uh, it's just very very refreshing to see not just um, two strong uh, contenders in the fullback position but uh, five really, Uh, five who are all very good, very promising, good quality uh, with experience and from here, you can have a real base to build upon in coming years because we've got young pullbacks with brimming with talent. And, uh, it's really, 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 uh, exciting to see. Yeah.
0: And, and just starting with an overview before we go into discussing the left backs and the right backs in particular. Joe, would you agree there's been sort of a, a huge improvement, not just in, in the starting players, you're looking at your Robertsons and your Trent Alexander Arnolds in particular at the moment, but just overall, as Hamza says that, the increased options we have and the fact that they've become so integral into Klopp's system and to the way we're playing at the moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think if we all would have found out that Klein would have been out for most of the season, we all would have been extremely concerned about what, what was going to happen at right back. Obviously, Trent, we saw last, last season that Trent has got a lot of potential. He's got all the physical attributes. He's quick, he's athletic, he's reasonable in the air. He's very good technically and he's exceptional going forward. Uh, but there were question marks and still probably are about some of his defensive decisions, which as a 19 year old, you're always going to have because uh, you're going to get asked questions in the Premier League that you're not going to, never going to be asked, uh, playing at a uh, younger age group or at a lower, a lower level. Uh, so there's always going to be question marks over him and he's really starting to pay back Klopp and the supporters trusting him, uh, putting him to, well, pretty much immaculate performances against one of the best best wingers or young wingers in Europe and Sarno over the last two legs and as for Gomez again there's sort of some question marks over his fitness obviously he suffered two bad injuries so how how he'd react uh, to coming back from those but he showed that when uh, we were sort of going through a difficult spell and defence wasn't uh, and Klopp were under quite a bit of pressure to sort out uh, a defence which was failing at the time at the start or after the Tottenham game, we'd shipped quite a few goals. There was big question marks, and Gomez was able to come in and give us a solid defensive option, allowing Robertson, um in particular Moreno, when he occasionally played, to be that more attacking attacking fullback, And he just gave us that kind of balance when we needed it so we could just make sure we were uh, a bit more solid defensively. But now with Trent uh, Gomez's injury and Trent coming back into the team, we've really sort of seen... Uh, the side be a lot more balanced than now with Robertson and Alexander Arnold. I think you've got that perfect balance between two, two full bats who are very capable at defending. And when they're asked questions, they usually answer them. But going forward, they're always on the front foot and often provide, provide good service and link up very well with our front line and midfielders.
0: And, and just starting obviously with the left hand side of defence, um, because for me it's particularly poignant. I'll go to Hamza first and then Tom. Um, if you want to come into the discussion as well. We've seen a huge improvement, as we've just briefly talked about there. But if you're looking at last season in particular, Moreno was shoved pretty much out the door by supporters. His Anfield career looked destined to be over, um, very much on its last legs anyway. And now we've got Robertson, who's coming from Hull at £8.5 billion bargain price. And Moreno himself, it's, it's easy to forget, but he started the season quite well as well. Um what have you made of Robertson in particular? And, and, obviously Moreno, we can talk about his, his early season form, but I really want to hone in on Robertson and Joe pointed to this idea of increased balance and increased, you know, threat down that left hand side. Would you agree with that? And do you think that's something that's really, really come about in the last few games, particularly against the likes of City? Uh,
3: very much so. I think, uh, in a few games recently, uh, usually, uh, pundits and, uh, and us in fairness, we looked at Van Dyke. Say he's the the composed figure, but in in a few games recently, uh, he's looked a bit unsure. The one player that has looked composed for uh, the past few months has been Robertson. Uh, he he looks in control of the game. Uh, he plays very um, very much to what Klopp is asking to. He gets forward when he's asked to. Uh, sometimes he's asked to go inside. Sometimes he has to stay outside. Uh, he, he he adapts to the the situations in terms of the opponent that we're playing and i i think um it's exceptional i i, I certainly didn't see robertson playing the way he uh he is now um I'm not sure if many of the fans did maybe maybe some did uh, but he's looking like a very 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 uh astute buy uh, and a really competitive player and, and one of the contenders for one of the better fullbacks in the league now, if if you think about fullbacks now, um, Robertson has got as good a claim as any to, to be in the maybe top five in the league. I, I think that's fair to say the way he's performed this season. I can't point to many mistakes. Uh, as I said, the most important fact that he has is that he's composed. It, 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 as a defender, that that's the number one quality that you want. And, uh, He's got that in, in abundance. He's got that in, uh, in bucket loads. Um, he, he's brilliant, really. Yeah.
0: Tom, what are you on? Yeah. From Robertson? Sorry. No, yeah.
1: Sorry. With Robertson, um, I think he's, I think he's dead good. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Andy Robertson. I mean, to pick up on what Hamza was saying about him being one of the best in the league, you could, I mean, there are people out there who are putting him in their team of the year. You know, it's not, you know, there are journalists out there. There are high profile journalists saying, you know, Robertson has to be a contender for to make the team of the year in that left-back position, despite having only started 19 games at the moment, which for me just says it all, really. Um, I think, I mean, for me, he is the best left-back in the Premier League at the moment this season on form. There aren't many who are, there aren't many who are even in the conversation, really. I mean, um Spurs don't really have a, a first choice at the moment, with Danny Rose struggling to get back ahead of Ben Davis there, looking to show up that area in the summer. Man City, of course, been fluctuating. Ashley Young's nothing special. Uh, Marcus Alonso, obviously, he's a really talented player, but I think if you take his goals out of the equation, he doesn't really bring that much to Chelsea. It certainly doesn't defensively, although obviously they play a slightly different system. So if, if you look at left backs, Robertson really has to be considered up there. I was just having a quick look at, um, at, at some of his stats. Um, for me, the key one is dribbled past, and obviously, dribbled past is a um, you know, it's it's getting beaten by your winger. And that's something where you would generally expect fullbacks to be among the highest in your squad for that position. Obviously, along with attacking midfielders, because, you know, that's generally what happens. Moreno's been dribbled past 1.2 times per game this season. Robertson's at 0.6. Now, to put some 0.6 into a bit of context, that's the 11th, 11th lowest, 11th highest, sorry, in our squad, which is great. It's the same as Salah of our sort of defensive players. Obviously, you don't want your, your centre backs are the two you'd expect to not be dribbled past, and obviously he's lower than both Lovren and um, sorry he's got he's got a better dribbled past than both Lovren and uh, Matip and Van Dijk, which is good. But in terms of the full backs, Alexander Arnold's 0.9, Gomez is 0.8, and as I say, Roberts is down at 0.6, which is pretty exceptional for a for a um, for a full back. It means he's only getting beaten once every two games pretty much, which is really really impressive. Um. And he's, obviously, he's, in an attacking sense, he's really important as well. He gets over one key pass a game, which is obviously excellent. Um, and it's a lot higher than Moreno again. Moreno's down at 0.9. So it, 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 there is a big difference for me between what Robertson brings to the table and what Moreno brings to the table. I think, I thought Moreno was good at the start of the season. I don't think he was as good as a lot of people thought he was at the start of the season. I thought what was important for me was that Klopp was starting to get the balance. But with Moreno, it was very much a sort of, a Okay, we've got a left back now. Like we don't have to worry about with Robertson, I feel like we're we're genuinely adding something to the team. It doesn't just feel like he's a stopgap in a position where we've had problems. He feels like he feels like one of those players that you want to see in the team sheet. He's starting to have the same impact as someone like an Emre Chan or a Virgil van Dijk in that position. He's start not just nailing down the spot, he's becoming a critical player, which means really important. If you watch the Everton game, for example it was very, very noticeable that he was missing. Admittedly, we were replacing him with Clarvan, who's a de- you know a defensive player. He's not, a, not really a left-back. And if he is a left-back, he's setting on an attacking one. But what Robertson brings in an attacking sense, for me, is just so underrated. And I think that addition that he brings is absolutely phenomenal. But when you consider defensively as well, I think that's one of maybe the underrated elements of Robertson's game. I've watched him play quite a few important games in the recent weeks. And City got absolutely no change off him in two legs. Absolutely nothing off him in either leg. Um, obviously Trent gets a lot. Of, Trent will get a lot of the, um, a lot of the credit from because maybe he, I mean, he had more defending to do than Robertson. But you know, Robertson, how how many players have targ, a how many teams have targeted Robertson, and that a lot says in, it in itself they don't feel like they can get any change. But how many teams have done Robertson over? How many games can we look at this season and go, oh, Robbo had a shaky one there. Oh, these teams got at Robbo, they knew Robbo could be got at. They they haven't because it doesn't happen. Teams just cannot get at him. They just It's so difficult for anyone to get any change off him. He doesn't really give away free kicks. He doesn't really give away the ball that often. He doesn't really give away much. That's the thing. He's such a key player in that defensive team, in that defensive unit. How many times have we looked at it and just gone, you know, Robbo was solid today. I I, I just think he's an exceptional player and he's really developing to a really, really important player as well for the team. And that for me is, you know, such an important element to this side. When, as you can see, you know, even 12 months ago, let alone 18 months ago, two years ago, ooh. I mean, I, the one, the thing I keep coming back to, summer 2016, there was a poll, and there was a poll out of the entire Premier League on BBC Sport, and it was, which, which, uh, you know, areas in your side are you most unhappy with? And this was before the start of last season. And, um, and 93% of Liverpool fans said they were unhappy with left back, which was the most of any, any position in any team in the entire Premier League. Nine, how how many percent of Liverpool fans do you think would say they're unhappy with the left-back situation now? It's probably probably completely inverted. It's probably something down to about 7% now, which for me is just absolutely staggering. For me, that's all on Andrew Robertson.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you've touched on a really good point, which is that these have been problematic positions for Liverpool. So to not only be speaking about positive form, but actually the fact that they're doing such a pivotal job in terms of the system as well, speaks volumes to both Trent and to Robertson. So to so come on to right backs, um Joe, I'll go to you first. I really want to hone in on Alexander Arnold in particular. Um and you know, the City games offer a really, really good evidence of an example of just how good he's been. Because Tom, you spoke there about people trying to isolate Robertson or maybe consider him a potentially weak link in a defence where we've got the likes of Virgil van Dijk. But Trent was, was very, very much a similar case, especially going into that City game. City obviously look to exploit that weakness and just like Crystal Palace did but Trent Alexander-Arnold really really rose to the challenge um, I've got some stats here that he notched more interceptions which was 13 and one more tackle seven across both legs than any other Liverpool player so again that's just testament to, to how good he was and this was very much his coming of age so what have you made of Trent and in, in terms of this idea of the modern fullback as well I know Hamza mentions it in his article, but I really, really love this idea of the modern fullback in there. they do so much more than defending and I think Trent is a perfect example of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll all agree that Trent was nothing short of superb and pretty much impeccable in both legs. Sorney and the Guardiola's developed developed a lot and has become probably one of definitely one of the best wingers in the league and if not in Europe, the way he sort of hugs has the touchline but also has the ability to play one on one against a defender and that's what that's what Guardiola's tactic is is to have his wingers wide in particular Sane and i to let them one on one against a full back and he fancies his winger to beat beat there or the opposition full back more often than not and testament to uh, Trent over the two legs um Man City particularly in the second leg uh obviously Guardiola took in the system uh Sane was able to isolate Trent a bit more than he, he was able to in the first leg, but Trent stood up to the, to the task and matched him. And I think there's probably only a handful of occasions where Trent perhaps got a little bit too tight to Sarnay and he uh, whipped it round him. But apart from that, Trent was absolutely brilliant. And there's been a lot of question marks, particularly recently after the United game and also the Crystal Palace game about uh, Trent's defensive ability, but um, I think it's more to do with his, perhaps his positioning than actually his 1v1 defending. Um, his 1v1 defending has largely been very good. And you can't be a, a, a bad defender if you manage to keep Ali or Sane quiet for two legs. And that's pretty much what he did. So I think full yeah. test, testament to him. He uh, kept Sane very quiet. Um, and also it didn't impede his, uh, he still had the confidence when we got the ball, uh, to go forward. Create uh, that sort of overload on the right-hand side, which is what under uh, in Klopp's system, as we talked about with modern with modern-day fullbacks uh, that they're asked to do. So full credit to him. Yeah,
0: and you, you touched on another point there, Hamza. What have you made of the fact that someone just 19 years old? A year ago, he was 18. He had about 10 appearances to his name. So to come back from a a pretty mixed bag of performances when you're looking at the likes of Crystal Palace and Man U, where he was exploited and and he didn't really perform to his best, particularly in that first half. To come out in a really, really pivotal game in Liverpool season and do what he did, that's just testament to how Liverpool's fullbacks have progressed and how Trent himself has progressed, isn't it?
3: I think, uh, the Crystal Palace game is a case study in itself that it is really worth looking at. So the, in the first half, it was clear Trent really struggled. Uh, Zahar was getting in between the gap between him and the centre back. And at the start of the game, it, it seemed like Pop said, push up as much as you can uh, and we'll try to attack. And then as the game developed, he realised he was leaving spacing behind and he was increasingly worried about Zaha. Then he dropped back. Zaha had the chance to run at him and uh, got the penalty. And uh, we saw, I think on three occasions, uh, Zaha really had a Trent's number. In the second half, though, uh, it was almost as if Klopp gave him a pep talk, shook him about and said, believe in yourself believe in your ability, uh, do what you do best. And he pushed on further up. Uh, he pinned, uh, Zaha back. He, he put in brilliant delivery after brilliant delivery. He was playing really, really well. Uh, and that was fantastic to see. And then he took that form, uh, after a, a tough game against, uh, United and then the, the first half against, um, Palace. And then he took it into the, the city game and against probably the best one-on-one winger in the league, uh, up there with, I don't know, uh, Hazard, Bellassi, players like that. He was exceptional. And uh, I think that's testament to, to his confidence, but also what, what Klopp has brought uh, to him. Uh, I don't think there's many other players in the world, young players at least, that would have uh, been exposed as they were against um, United and then Palace and then came back in the manner that they did without that sort of support around them. And I think the manager has a great role to play there. He's clearly put his arm around him. He's nurtured him. He's given the confidence he needs and the belief that he needs. And then uh, you've got the rest of the team working with him as well. So uh, in the the second leg in particular, uh, it was clear Sani had a a lot of space, uh, too much space. Marnie moved over and he tried to help. Oxay chamberlain was trying to track uh, Silver as well. So they had three players in that area all working together. And I think that's the manager, that's the players. They're all on board in the same, they've got the same idea, the same, same direction. And that's beginning to pay off now. Uh, and for Trent, it's, uh, it's absolutely marvelous. And, um, to see the emotions on, on, on his face and the, the, the determination, the concentration that he had for the full 90 minutes, full 180 minutes. Actually, sorry, a bit less because Klein came on. Um, remarkable. Truly remarkable.
1: He's a really exciting young player. He really is. Um, I think it's interesting at the moment because I think in many respects, the left-back and right-back situations are very, very different. But they're both obviously, in but in many respects, they're the same. They're very much the same in the sense that they're both extremely exciting looking ahead. There are areas that we have, as as you have said, Leanne, we have struggled in before, but there are areas that we're starting to worry about less. We've got options there in both areas, which is it's key. But in many respects, it's a very different situation because in the left-back situation now, I think we have got a clear, clear number one choice in left-back. We've got a clear player who is, who is developing into a phenomenal player. On the right-back situation, the right-back situation is very, very interesting because who who are number one choices at right-back keeps fluctuating. And to be honest with you, how good our right-back situation is right now keeps fluctuating as well. Um, I mean, I don't think any Liverpool supporter would deny that looking ahead, the situation at right-back looks absolutely phenomenal. We've got two excellent young players there. But in the here and now, both Gomez and Alexander-Arnold have looked really, really patchy all season. Which is really interesting. Um, neither of them have, neither of them have had a, co- have had a cohesive, excellent season. Which, as, as, as we've all said, you know, they're young players. They're, they're both, you know, I think Gomez is 21, 22 and, uh, Trent's 19. So neither of them are quite there yet, which is obviously understandable. But what it does mean is that we, we've seen, we've seen spells like Gomez has made a lot of mistakes. The Arsenal game, the West Ham game, to name but a few. And then you look at Trent, he's had the, uh, the Man United game and the, and the Palace game very recently. Whereas we haven't really had that situation in left back. There's only been one bad game between our two left backs combined, and that was a severe game. But, but in, but in that, but in that sense, we've got two right backs that even if necessarily they don't right now aren't turning in consistent performances, what they are doing is they're showing that there's enough there to be extremely excited about going forward. And that's why I think Trent's going to be so important next season because with, with another, a year of appearances under his belt. It's worth noting he's only started 14 games in the Premier League this season. Trent, he's only made, you know, 1,200 or so minutes in the Premier League. With those under his belt, he's going to look a lot brighter next season, which is going to be really, really important going forward.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that Trent's got the potential to be the most complete fullback out of the the three lads. Klein, Gomez is obviously himself. I think he's got if he can improve defensively. uh then he could become a very good defender and going forward is if he can build on his end product and start making a few more better decisions which will no doubt come come through experience. Then I definitely think Trent's got the potential to be the most complete player. Uh as for now I think with all probably Kleins the most balanced player and offers you that more stability. Um which we'll probably need from now until the end of the season, especially with Gomez being out. But definitely going forward and looking ahead to the next say Two to five years, and I can definitely see Trent making that position his own.
0: Yeah, no, I think just just a point to, to round off before we move to Joe's article. Um, the fullbacks are an indication in themselves of the work Klopp has been doing as well, because we talk about how much Klopp um, has molded Trent and nurtured him through some poor games to come back and deliver when it mattered, and to have two fullbacks that are capable of doing that. And as you've said. That's sort of an indication of the future that actually these are positions that were problematic but now seem a lot safer, a lot more reliable. That's not to say that they don't have problems. You know, we, we've indicated games where they've still struggled, but to go from that to, to really looking into the future and thinking these are players that can be mainstays in the team. Doesn't that speak volumes about how Klopp is really developing this team because you look at the likes of City, they've gone and spent millions on their full-backs and we went and we played them on Tuesday. And uh, I think it was Rio Fernand who said, if you're watching that game and you're looking at Carl Walker and you're looking at Trent, who's the England right-back, you would say Trent, on on that viewing. And does that to you speak volumes?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It kind of uh, puts it into perspective and kind of really emphasises the kind of manager that Klopp is. Obviously, we know he's not the sort of manager who's going to go out and buy the best fullback in the world. One, because probably we don't have the finances to do that. And secondly, because he prefers to nurture players on the training ground. Um, so we can get them, uh, really fitting into his system and be the perf. They might not be the best fullback in the world, but they're probably under his uh, coaching and management. They'll become one of the best back, best fullbacks in his system. Uh, so I definitely think that's sort of a reflection of. Jürgen Klopp and what his aim is to do with, do his team is that he, he's not going to go out and buy the best players in the world, but buy players who, who th- he thinks he's got the attributes to fit his system and he'll coach them and manage them on the training pitch. So they become, become exactly what he wants. And although I read Ferdinand's quote was very interesting. I thought it was, lacked a bit of, a little bit of perspective because Walker for the first half was playing very much as a third centre, centre back, whereas Trent, was obviously playing as an out on that right back, so it was, I thought it was a bit of a harsh quote on Walker. Who I do think is a really good fullback, but it's certainly, certainly, you couldn't tell a lot of difference over the two legs between the two.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing is, I mean, you kind, you kind of touched on it, Leanne, but we've spent, and it was obviously mentioned in the article, we've spent no money on these fullbacks, pretty much none. I mean, um how much did Robo cost? Eight million, and that was eight million which was basically Kevin Stewart. Like, as the, that was a straight swap for Kevin Stewart. We've made Robbo for and he's now the pretty much, in my opinion, the best left back in the Premier League. So that's absolutely insane. On the right back, Robbo was, um, sorry, Trent obviously was completely free and Gomez cost us, what, three million as well? And that was a few years ago. So we've spent, so we've suddenly come out with three terrific fullbacks for 10 million quid and that is just a testament to the scouting and doesn't the way that the club does things because I think yeah, all right, it'd be nice to have the money to go and spend 50 million quid on fullbacks, but you don't need to do that if you've got a good fullbacks out. And obviously, you know, Mendy, I I mean, I think Mendy and Walker are going to be good value for the money that City have spent on them, but Robbo and Trent are going to be better value for money because they're they're not going to be better players potentially just yet, but they're both fantastic players and they're both holding their own against the likes of those City players that have spent so much money. So I think it just is a testament. It's not, it is obviously a testament to Klopp, but it's also a testament to the sort of to the scouting and to the Michael Edwards and to all the lads around the club who are doing the legwork alongside Klopp.
0: Hamza, I'll give you the, the final round off on this one then. Are these two players that can be Liverpool's fullbacks for the very, very long future? Or, you know, is there still progression? Obviously there's still progression there to be made, but we talked and we've talked in volumes about how this was a problematic position. Is it now settled?
3: um for the immediate term i would think so um obviously we can't make um, a guess on how trent will will turn out eventually we've seen plenty of good players show promise at this this sort of age uh but i think Klopp is managing him well uh i, I remember at the start of the season uh after he scored against Hoffenheim, i was wondering why isn't he playing every game he should, he's absolutely fantastic i need this i need trent in my fancy team He's so cheap. He's going to run forward. He's going to get assists. He's going to get goals. Yeah, he's going to help on set pieces. But Klopp rotated him. Uh, he put Gomez in for certain games uh, and develop skills in a different way. So um, Gomez is now the, the the defensive option. If we're looking to to hold on to something, Gomez will come on. Uh, Gomez will help defend. Gomez can come in as a third centre back. Um, on the on the other side, we've got uh, Moreno who does a sort of utility job. Sometimes can come on the on the left. Left side of midfield, uh, he can push on. He can come as a as a wing back. Trent can do that too. There's uh, each different player, including Klein and Robertson, all bring different qualities. And for that reason, I f- I feel that the the positions themselves will be will be sorted for the for the near future, and uh, hopefully the the long term future. Uh, I, you can't assert whether these uh, Robertson and Trent will be the guys for the next ten years. Um, but I'd put a decent amount of money on that they, they will be playing for the next uh, good few years because they're showing the qualities. They're showing uh, the ability to adapt to the demands of the system. Uh, they're showing composure. Uh, they're, they're, they're playing very well within the team. They're doing, they're ticking all the boxes. And if you're ticking all the boxes, the, 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 there's not really more that we can ask. And it's clear that we now have other priorities in the team because of the strength. Uh, in these areas that we can address and we can focus on without needing to worry, oh, should, should we spend another 20 million here on a, on another fullback just in case this happens or that happens? And, uh, that's, that's a testament to them. And, uh, I hope and I think they will keep improving and we'll see a lot more of them in the seasons to come.
1: Carol okay. agrees with you, Hamza. He's, um, done an interview with James Pearson. He said he thinks Trent will make more appearances for Liverpool to, than he did, which is, Saying something given that yeah. given the amount of appearances Kara made for the club.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll move on um, to Joe's article now, which looks at Klopp's loyalty to certain players and whether it's detrimental and, and could hinder some progression uh, for Liverpool or has it in the past and what needs to be done about it. So, um, Joe, I'll let you talk through your article.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of feeds in quite nicely to the discussion we've just had on the fullbacks about Klopp nurturing players and working on them on the training ground. Obviously, we know at his time at Dortmund. Is obviously, going into Liverpool, he's not one for signing signing the best players. He's always going to nurture them, work work on them in the training ground, and make sure they are the even if they're not the best player in their position in the, in Europe or in the league, then they're certainly the best player uh, in their position to fit his system. Um, so he sort of does show a lot of loyalty and faith in players who. Certain people would have question marks on, such as with Moreno. A lot of people thought after last season Klopp would discard him, Uh, but in fact he allowed him to stay. Obviously, he thought that Moreno was showing enough um, to him in training that he was learning and taking on board board what he's saying, and that led to him starting off the uh, season certainly a lot better with a lot better performances than we've seen. Uh, Play a player like Dejan Lovren. Again, a lot of question marks have came his way, and rightly so. He has made he makes too many big mistakes, even though he is capable of putting in wonderful performances like he did over the two legs against City. But for me, my point was that over the um, so over the last couple of years, Klopp's been manager. Players like Minulay and Lovren have let him down too much, um, and for Lovren to be starting 21 Premier League games and nine games in the Champions League uh after Klopp's been there for two seasons and clearly has been a problem for for Liverpool's defence over a longer period of time. And for me, Klopp should be should have been more ruthless and should have certainly bought at least another centre back on top of Van Dijk. And sort of I also mentioned the uh example of Lalana that um sort of last season he started off the uh the campaign very well in that sort of deeper center midfield role, arriving, arriving from deep, linking up play between the midfield and the attack and did it very well. But after he, after injury came back and Klopp, because he trusted him and had faith in him, uh, because of the, the work he does off the ball, uh, he sort of played him as part of more front three. And I think if another player would have been churning out the type of performances that Lana was at the end of the season wide left, then Klopp wouldn't have it had anywhere near as much patience as he did with Alana. And we all know, and we've known for some time, that, that, uh, he is completely ineffective out wide. Yeah, even though Klopp knew this and he had the potential option of playing Moreno, who'd inject a bit more pace and penetration into the front line, he had that option. He never, he never did it. And I think that's where, in my opinion, I think Klopp does have too much loyalty, uh, with some of his, some of his players. I understand why, because obviously he, he has a close relationship with them which is probably why he's able to get the best out of them when he's working hard with them on, tr- on the training ground. But I do think at times he's just too loyal to certain players who let him down far too often.
0: Do you think, um, I'll I'll come straight back to you on this one, do you think that that's hindered our progression up until now in, in terms of Pop's era so far? Or is it more a case that you're making the point that if he continues this loyalty, that it could prove detrimental in future years? Because Liverpool are at a good Place now, we're at a good point in time where we, you know, we're going to get back to back top four, touch wood. We're in the Champions League semi final and we really need to kick on. And so we, we can't afford to be loyal to players that aren't going to make the cut.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's hindered us to an extent where it's harmed us yet. Uh, I'd agree. I think I, I do believe we should have Van Dyke was our main target as we all know, and we should have gone for him no matter what. But I do believe that we. We all know we need another centre back, so I can't see any reason why in the summer and in January we weren't looking to bring in Van Dyke's partner. Of course, we, we don't know whether he was available or not. That's another question. But we only ever seem to be interested in Van Dyke, and his Klopp's had a lot of plot and the club's had a lot of applause for sticking with Van Dyke. Whereas I think if we would have brought in another centre back either in the summer or in January, then there's every chance we probably would have still been in the FA Cup. And would certainly be in a better position next season, where Van Dyke and whoever his potential partner might be would have had six months to learn each other's game. Um, so I definitely don't think it's um, uh, hindered us as to much to harm us, but I do think it, there has been times this season, such as our FA Cup exit, where his loyalty to certain players has cost us.
0: Hamza, um, just a quick question then, on, in terms of Klopp and on this idea of loyalty when Klopp was at Dortmund it was very much a similar case he would try to mold players who maybe weren't the cut or who fans maybe regarded weren't sort of worth it in many ways weren't worth the time and the effort to try and nurture to to get up to speed so should we be that surprised that that's his philosophy at Liverpool we talked before in terms of the fullbacks about how Klopp's not the type of manager to go and splash you know 50 million on a right back. Yes, OK, we, you know, people say, well, we bought Van Dyke for 75, but that was sort of against the norm. So it's not really his philosophy in in the way that it is Mourinho's or Guardiola's. And so should we really be that surprised about this idea of loyalty?
3: Um, I don't think we should be that surprised. Uh, and I think it's very much to do with his style of management. Uh, And what I would say is, in some ways, it's about fairness. And I think the best example of this is, is Sima Mignoli. So uh, last season, uh, in the second half of the season, he was very, very good. Uh, in fact, he, he was he was one of the standout players. He earned points in key games and he, he very much helped us get to that top four position. Uh, for us to say at that point, after he put in those performances, that you're not good enough, you've got to go, is unfair to him as a player. And it's not the sort of message that you want to give to other members of your squad as a manager. That um, Even when you're working at your best, when you're hitting the level that is expected of you, you're still not good enough. That's a, That sort of message is not going to be conducive to the sort of atmosphere that Klopp wants, that he wants to foster. And I think uh, the same would be true of, of Lovren as well. If he continues playing as he has done in both legs of the City uh, matches and, and a few games prior to that, and then we go. Ah, oh, you're not good enough. We're going to sell you. That that's unfair, and that translates to other players in the team. They think, oh, what? I th- I thought I was playing really well. I thought I had a secure position in the team. Uh, I thought I was valued. And uh, you don't want that sort of atmosphere in the in the type of um uh sort of atmosphere. The type of vision that Klopp has, he doesn't want that. He wants a sort of a uh, a unified approach. And I think in some ways that loyalty. Is good uh, because it might get the best out of players. Lovren, since that Spurs game, uh, he had the arm around him and he's he, he's improved. I remember on one of the very first pods that, that, that we did since uh, Tom and yourself took over on on this pod, um, we we mentioned that Lovren is a good player with a babysitter, and at that point we didn't have a ba- babysitter to play with him. Now though he does, and with Van Dyke, it's fair to say he looks good and. Last season, I was wrong about Mignolet. I thought he turned the corner. He was going to be the number one uh, for this season, and he would be good enough. But it's unfair to make that judgment until until you see it. Uh, so Karius has now taken over. And um, if Lovren keeps playing the way he does until the end of the season, and then uh, uh, is he playing in the World Cup? Uh, I'm not sure. But if he does, it's unfair to, to, to sell him or cast him aside. Okay, you can bring another defender in, but um, there's a way you must manage it as a manager without causing uh, unrest or a, or a uh, sort of less than contented atmosphere within the squad. And I think that's really important uh, to what Klopp is trying to build. He's trying to have everyone on board, everyone together, and everyone to value each other. Uh, so it's a very difficult situation to manage. Um, but um, personally, I, I, I'd be willing to give Lovren uh, a bit longer uh, considering how well he's played with Van Dijk this season,
1: I would say what I would say, Hamza, and I don't necessarily disagree with you about that issue of fairness. What I would say is that, for example, with Lovren, it's taken him two seasons under Klopp to get anywhere near what we would expect from a, from a central defender for a top four club, and likewise with Minouye, he played for a season and a half under Klopp before he became good as well. So I'm not necessarily sure that it's about it's about fairness if we have to wait that long to get. The sort of it is that we should be expecting, especially then for Mignolet, he turned in, you know, he's turned in six, six good months out of his entire Liverpool career. And he's been here since, what, 2013, I think. You know, Klopp should be looking at that team and going, all right, this goalkeeper's clearly not good enough before he gets there. And because that's what he did with Benteke. Uh, you know, he looked at certain players before, before he'd arrived and there were certain players that just weren't good enough and that we just got rid of. So it's not as if Klopp hasn't been able to, hasn't been ruthless with players. I do think Miniele is one of the players he maybe should have been more ruthless with. Once he bought Carius, he should have given, he should have trusted Carius sooner because Carius would be turning in, because Carius has clearly been the superior keeper. And, you know, if Carius had been given the faith that Miniele has been given, Carius would be a better goalkeeper now than he is because he'd have had more time to settle and develop. So in terms of loyalty and trust, I'm not necessarily sure that, that the Mignolet situation is a fair one. And I, I, ditto with Lovren. There was certainly a case that after the Spurs game, Klopp could well have turned around and gone do you know what I've had enough of this because it keeps happening and it does keep happening with Lovren I'm I'm very very happy Lovren turned a corner now but we thought Mignolet had turned a corner last season and I'm I do think Lovren deserves to be in the team at the moment on merit but the the point is that it's taken him this long to get to a stage where he's performing to whatever we would expect so I'm not necessarily sure that that's Klopp showing fairness and loyalty to play showing fairness to players so much as Showing loyalty, and I'm not necessarily sure that someone like Lovren has earned that loyalty. Um, obviously, we see a, obviously he showed a lot more off the pitch, and I do like Lovren's attitude, which is obviously important. And you know, to someone like Klopp, that means more than it might mean to others. But I'm not convinced that our situation. I agree with Joe to the extent that I don't think we've been harmed because I certainly think we weren't going to be winning any more trophies under Klopp than we have done. At the moment, if Klopp had maybe bought a couple more, maybe bought a goalkeeper or bought a centre-back, I don't think we're quite there yet anyway. But we're getting to the stage now where we can't afford to be carrying players, I don't think. And I think that's why we do need to sort of be a little bit more ruthless. And I, I, I completely agree that it fits Klopp's ethos and it fits Klopp's principles to not, to not be too harsh on these sorts of players. But equally, I think there are players who have put themselves in a situation where they haven't earned that trust. And yeah, it's been rewarded. And I think that, that for me is the key issue.
0: Yeah. And we've identified Lovren and Minile as the two main, main players that come under this category. Lolana being another one. He's sort of a fringe case. Um, we'll start with just to sort of carry on with the Minile and Lovren Then the, the question I would pose is if you're looking at the summer, um, I think Joe, you mentioned it in your article briefly about how. The summer is going to be, well, the summary is going to be huge in terms of how Liverpool are going to end the season, hopefully, um, with a top four position and, you know, potentially Champions League winners. I don't really want to jinx it. I am, like as <laughs> I would, uh, frivolously. Um, but Mignolet is the extreme case. He's the one player. Me, personally, I'm looking at that squad and thinking there's no way back for him. Carries has been sublime. He's been really, really good, developing under consistent game time and I think I saw on the Liverpool Echo yesterday, Clock had said himself, you know, he was partly to blame for Carius' slow start just because of the interchanging. Um, I may have that wrong, but, you know, that, that is going to be a factor when Minile is coming in, Carius is going out and as a young player, you're never really able to build up ahead of Steam. And then you've got Lovren, who seemed to vindicate himself against City. Um, I think Henry Jackson has got an article out at the moment talking about that game and saying actually it's not quite enough. Lovren and I would agree. Um, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on you looking at the summer Mignolet and Lovren in particular. For you, is there one player out of the two of them that really, really needs to go, and one player who potentially could fulfil a, a third or fourth choice?
2: Yeah, I think I think Mignolet will go for the simple reason I don't think he'll be happy spending uh, the whole of next season as second choice goalkeeper. and I think Klopp uh, will be fairly. Not pleased because if he do, if he isn't going to sign another first choice goalkeeper, then having someone like Minella as a backup goalkeeper wouldn't be a bad thing. But I simply think he wouldn't want to stay around and uh, be second choice for for another season. So I think Minella probably will go. In terms of Lovren, I uh, I understand where Hamza's com- coming from, but I, I I don't think he's turned the corner. I still think he is he is too rash at times. And his temperament isn't good enough to be a real top level centre back. I've always been one of his, so, sort of one of his biggest defenders, because I do think he does have, do have a lot of good attributes that fit Klopp's system. He is very airily dominant. Um, and he does understand the way Klopp wants to play. Um, but he just makes, he, he can have a great game, but he can make one terrible, terrible mistake and that will cost us. I think at the top level, he can't really afford to do that. And although he has been better since Van Dijk came in, he was playing with Van Dijk against against Man U and it was utter garbage. Uh, he really was. It was terrible. Um So I think to call to say that he's had, he's now turning the corner is wrong. Don't get me wrong. His performances against Man City were brilliant, but in my opinion, I've always expect or always thought that he could put in a performance like that. How many at the start of the season against Man U up against Lukaku and Martial? I thought it was brilliant. And he's he's play. I think he's put a performance like that throughout his Liverpool career. But they have been his career has been littered with mistakes that he and he makes too many of them, and a lot of them do cost the team. Um, in terms of whether he gets sold, I think one of him or Matip has to leave. But I think Matip, although he's a different kind of defender to Lovren in terms of stylists, uh in terms of styles. Uh, they are both prone to errors. And I think keeping both of them around when you want to be challenging for European titles, Premier League titles and domestic cups, I think to keep both of them around would be would be completely wrong and would show Klopp as being too loyal because I think we do need a new 1st of centre-back for Van Dijk and I wouldn't like to see both Lovren and Matty but the club next season. Yeah,
0: I'd, I'd agree with that. And- Hams are going on to you know, As I said, a fringe case um, is Lolana. Um, strong okay. case for loyalty by Klopp on that one. Um, he was terrific last season, obviously. This year, injuries have plagued him a lot, and with Kater coming in next season, you're sort of left wondering where he fits in the side. Do you expect him or want him to be shipped out in the summer? And more importantly, just in terms of the article, do you think Klopp will or do you think we'll see again this show of loyalty?
3: Um, I think plot will persist with him. Um, would I expect him in the starting 11 if he's fully fit next season? Probably not. Um, but that's no reason to, to, to move a player on. Uh, he, he has great qualities in, uh, himself. Uh, he plays that advanced role in midfield really well. Oxlade Chamberlain has now come into his own and made it his, his role. We used to call it the Lana role. It's now the Chamberlain role. And um, next season we'll probably see Keita alongside Chamberlain and uh, uh, and a defensive midfielder. But that's no reason, I think, to move Lalana on because our midfield needs depth, and I think that's the first thing Klopp will think of, rather than uh, his own loyalty to an individual player. He'll, he'll be thinking about the, the squad and the shape and what we need to push on. And I don't think he will think it's practical to move on one attacking midfielder and then bring in another uh, to replace him. Dis- with us already needing uh maybe one or two midfielders to come in and beef up the ranks. Uh, so I expect Milan to stay on. Uh, I don't expect him to start, but I I don't feel this will be out of loyalty. Uh, and I I would just like to ask to any of you, would you expect that Lovren stays here next season? Because uh I think the same will be true of Lovren. Uh, regardless of whether he deserves to go or whether he's performed well enough, I think Klopp will persist with him. I was just wondering if if you guys had a different opinion on on whether Klopp would uh would keep Lovren or or potentially move him on.
1: Um, it was funny because I had uh a couple of lads on the pod last week. I had um Adam and Stefan on the pod last week, and both of them said they'd keep Lovren. Both of them didn't even consider the option of selling him, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I think Lovren will stay. I'd be surprised if he left. Um, for me, it's for me, it's quite straightforward. I wouldn't want to sell anyone in our current squad apart from strikers because if I look at our current squad I think okay where are we missing players and the only position where we're going to be selling is up front for me we're going to sell Sturridge. we'll probably sell at least one of Ings and Origi we do need to bring in a striker but if you look at our defense and our midfield we don't have enough depth there at the moment there's no it's like you're pretty much bang on what's the, what's the point in bringing one in and selling one when we don't have enough players in the positions we're trying to beef up at the moment it just makes no sense to me. And the thing is, I think Lovren, I think Lalana, I think Henderson, I think Milner, I think all of those types of players. And Moreno, I think they're all more than good enough to be backup players. The question is just whether they're happy to be. I think is another one. I don't mind having Mignolet hanging about on the bench as a reserve. I think he's better to have there than Danny Ward, and we're not going to bring in a keeper, most likely. So I think he's good to have about. it. It's just whether those sorts of players, whether you're Lovrens, you Alanas, your you're you Morenos, whether or not they're happy being backups. And if they want to leave, I think, you know, Loyalty goes both ways. And if a player like that says, I'm not getting first team football. I'm not happy here. I would like to leave. I think Klopp would let him go. It's not like a Coutinho situation where they're a vital player who's, Klopp gave the option to say you, you can go and then turned around three months later and kicked up a stink. So it is, it is club has always been willing to let players go on their own terms as long as it doesn't actively harm the club. So I think club will let anyone go that wants to, but I don't think we should let anyone go unless we're planning to improve on them. I'm happy is would I feel better having Lovren or Clavan on the bench. Or would I feel better having Lovren or Gomez on the bench? I think I'd probably have Lovren. I mean, Clavan's not gonna, not got that much left in him anyway. You know, he's, he's uh, already 32 and he's only gonna be getting older and he's a reserve option anyway. Gomez isn't gonna be starting at centre back most likely, so I don't, I don't think he's there yet. Anyway. Um so yeah, I don't see any harm in keeping Lovren at a matter third and fourth choice option, especially when you consider the defence, the, uh, the injury issues our defence has. Um and yeah, likewise with Lalana, I think our midfield is so, Injury prone and, and short on numbers anyway. Even if we, assuming we lose Emery, even if we bring in two midfielders, we can't afford to give two out. We're short an attacking midfielder anyway. So I completely agree. With you. I keep Lallana around. I think with the Lallana, I don't think it's about loyalty. That's the thing. I think Lallana earned his place in the season, earned his place in the team, worked hard to keep his place in the team, and then this season he's been injured. So I don't think loyalty really comes into it with Lallana personally. The, qu- the question yeah, I would,
2: on I would pose, I would pose on that one is, and it's a subjective one, but do you? think we have the finances to keep everyone we have in the squad and improve the areas we need to improve on. I think that, I think that's a question that people overlook. I honestly don't think we've got the finances to keep both Matip and Lovren, uh, keep Lalana, and perhaps sign, let's say, if Emre leaves, we need another centre-mid, we need another centre-back, we need a, a probably another winger who can perhaps play midfield and we probably need someone as backup to the wingers and Bobby. So we're looking at probably at least five players. Do you think we can afford to have them on our way, have them on our wage bill, spend the transfer money as well as keeping all the players we've got in our currently scored? Because personally I don't think we have got the finances to do that. Or FSG are willing to invest that much money.
1: I don't think we have five I don't think we need to bring in five players. I think probably if we probably a midfielder, an attacker and a defender, so probably three or four. And realistically, at least, let's be fair, at least one of those signings is probably going to be a quite is not one we're going to be seeing coming. We're going to get at least one signing. That's a bit of an astute one on a low on a low wage bill. Um, I don't think we necessarily need to um, need to get rid of anyone to uh, bump up that thing, especially when you consider we're not going to get high. We're not going to get high transfer fees for any of the players we're looking at. It's mostly going to be about shunting the wages more than anything else. But we are going to shift some deadwood anyway. We're going to shift the likes of Sturridge as I said, potentially Re, potentially Ings. So I think we will shift some deadwood, but I don't think it will be the sort of the fire sale of players who, let's be fair, at the moment, or at least for parts in the season, are key players. Let's be fair, right now, Lovren is a key player. He's not going to be going anywhere, I don't think. Um, Lalana maybe isn't a key player, but for Klopp, he's certainly a player that Klopp would consider a reasonably important player. minile is the backup goalkeeper, but he's a, a good backup goalkeeper to have. So I don't think these are positions where... Klopp is going to be bringing in players to. Is going to be necessarily having to bring in players. If that makes sense, I don't think Klopp has to bring in a backup goalkeeper to replace Minouli. I don't think he has to replace Lalani because we we're, we're an attacking as Hamza says we're we're an attacking midfielders short. Sure, we have got quite a small squad, so I think there is certainly scope for finance for us to spend money. And again, in midfield and in defence, we we're, we're not we haven't got players. We haven't got too many excess players. If that makes sense, I I do think we might see a centre back go. Whether or not that's Lovren is an interesting question, but it might well be Klavan, for example. So I, I do take a point, but I do think the finances are there because we have we have lost a couple. I mean, bearing in mind we we have lost and not replaced our biggest wage earner. Are we, our number our number one wage earner is now not we you know we're not paying his wages anymore, and we haven't brought anyone in to replace that wage gap.
2: Yeah, I guess it's a question that it is speculation. Like we obviously we don't know how much. Uh, money, uh, money there is to spend on wages and to spend spend on the uh, transfer transfer fee. So, I get, but I think it's a interesting point that people perhaps overlook. And I definitely think, considering um, sort of FSG as their owners, and we know they are aren't willing to spend the big, butts that sort of the Manchester clubs and the European elites are. I think it is something that needs to needs to enter the conversation and debate.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I'd my agree. Finances we're actually all right so in terms of wages so the the recent figures that came out said that we were spending around 69 percent of our revenues on wages but those figures were without champions league or without european football uh so what we're going to have now is back-to-back european football um involvement and you have a cash windfall because of champions league involvement and each round that you go in you get more and more money and i think in terms of money uh, to spend, we should, we should be finding, and if we need to add three to five players, I think that there's very much a scope there. The main stand is bringing in more money. We're looking to expand, uh, the Anfield Road end. Uh, we're looking to have a few more sponsorship deals soon. We're playing in the international, uh, is it Champions Cup in the summer? There's more money from there. Uh, I, I know we haven't got that very far in the cups, but we had a few matches in the cups, uh, which obviously brings in uh, more money in terms of our gate receipts. Uh, so I think it's, it's less so about the, the question of finances. It's more if, um, if Klopp wants it. Um, I mean, there's a report recently that, that said, um, Klopp was actually pushed into paying the, the 75 million for Van Dyke because he wasn't really too keen on spending the money. Uh, uh as far as reports from the club are concerned, uh, that the money is there. Uh, it's just that Klopp isn't really someone that's too bothered about spending a lot of money. He, he, he gets what? He feels he needs and what he thinks is value for money most of the times. Uh, but in terms of finances and revenues, uh, we should be fine to, uh, bring in a few players, especially with the Coutinho money, the Coutinho wages, uh, and moving on a few players, uh, come the summer. Uh, so I don't think that's too much of a concern personally.
1: Just quickly yeah. on the Champions League. Sorry, Leanne. Just quickly on the Champions League. So this is in terms of how much money we get per, per, per round. So you get two million quid for, Beat, beat win in the playoffs 12 and a half million for the um group stages plus 1.5 million and half a million for a draw so that's another six million quid for the for the group stages so that's 20 million quid before we've even got going for reaching the last 16 we get an extra six million for reaching the quarterfinals we get an extra six and a half and then for reaching the semi-finals we get an extra seven and a half so we've already chalked up about 40 million quid in this Champions League run and that's just in prize money from UEFA that's 40 million quid just from UEFA that's not including TV money. That's not including any of that. So that's just, so if we get to the final, we'd get at least another 10, 15 million euros. So you could theoretically win. Yeah. So we could, we could be talking 50 million plus just for, um, just for actually being in the Champions League. That's before you consider the, um, all the, uh, bonuses for, you know, TV money and that sort of thing. So that's a lot of extra cash to, to go splashing about on either on wages or on extra players that we haven't had. That's, yeah. As you say, that's one player. That's one you know, genuinely world-class player that we can buy there for that sort of money just for being in the Champions League. And I think the other thing to factor in is that Lovren and Lana especially, it's not as if Klopp came into the squad and had these players on high wages. These are players that have been promoted to those wages during the Klopp era in the last 18 months or so. So it's not as if Klopp's going to suddenly turn around and realise he's got players that he needs to get rid of because they're on high wages, if that makes sense, when he's the one who's put them on them.
0: Yeah, I think just to round things off then, I think, sort of an agreement the finances are very much dependent on FSG but it sounds like dependent again on how we do in the Champions League and what remains of the competition it sounds like we will have the money it's just whether FSG or Klopp want to spend it and I think just to go back to this idea of loyalty going into the summer I'd be surprised if Lovren left I'd be surprised if Lallana left I think the one that needs to go potentially if anyone is Mignele purely because I think for his benefit as well he'll need to be getting game time if he wants to partake in things like the World Cup. Um but it'll be interesting to see I think just to just to round things off with Joe there, um very, very quickly, we've talked a lot about the negatives of loyalty and how it could potentially be detrimental to Klopp's progression. Um but we've also seen a lot of positives in terms of transfer targets with Klopp being very loyal on who he wants to bring into his project, particularly the likes of Naby Keita and Van Dyke. So, you know, is that something we need to take into account as well? So yes, there's negatives of his loyalty, but actually this, this philosophy is going to pay dividends as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, it's a bit counterintuitive, but loyalty is probably Klopp's one of his, one of his most impressive strengths. And we've seen that he identifies players such as Van Dijk and Cater who are the perfect profile to fit in his system. Um and he won't won't compromise on getting them. And whether it's through encouragement of the club or him demanding, them, we make sure we pay the money to get them because Klopp knows and the club knows that if he's given the right players uh who have the all the attributes needed uh to be effective in the system, then Klopp will work on them in the training ground and turn them into Exceptional players. And we've seen that as we've discussed with, with our full backs. We've seen the impact Van Dyke is having. Oxley Chamberlain now looks a, looks a very good buy and really fits, fits Klopp's system perfectly. So I definitely think, like I said, there are, um, advantages to Klopp being loyal and we are seeing them, uh, really come into fruition as we've seen with the full backs developing and with Oxley Chamberlain. So I definitely think you're, you're spot on that. Cops loads. He definitely has its positives for the team.
0: I really appreciate the fact that you've uh, ended the podcast talking about how good Oxley Chamberlain's been because <laughs> I'd like to take this opportunity to point out I did tell Tom that he would come <laughs> good. Um, but anyway, we'll run off there and we'll go to plugs. So I'll go to Hamza first. Hamza, have you got anything um, coming up on Anfield Index?
3: Um, just the, the the tactics piece from the uh, the second leg of the uh, the City match. Uh, I, I've got a few essays due, so I, I may not be writing for a little while, but yeah, that's one to look forward to for. It should be out soon.
0: Sounds good. And Joe, anything from you?
2: Uh, yeah, over in the coming days, I'll be writing an article on Jeannie Wynald and what he brings to midfield, uh, playing at number six position. So that should be an interesting read.
0: Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting to see how he, um, did against Everton and again against City. So potentially that's somewhere that he could move to in the future. Um, Tom, anything from you? Uh
1: Yeah, quite a bit, actually. I've got a couple of pods out at the moment. I was on the post-match pod on Tuesday night, which was obviously great fun. As you can imagine, I was on with, with Guy and Sam. Uh, then last night, I did the preview pod for Bournemouth. That was really good fun with a Bournemouth fan. So that was all, that was good fun. K hosted that one. And then in terms of articles at the moment, I've got obviously the key stats from Tuesday. And I've got a piece out about uh, our attacking depth after the Everton game. Uh, And I should be getting something out over the weekend as well.
0: Sounds like you've been busy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, for me personally, I've got an article on Trent coming out soon, which will sort of pay respects to how good he's been in in the past few weeks, particularly against Manchester City. Um, But otherwise, just keep on listening to the show. Thank you very much to Joe and Hamza for coming on. And we'll see you next week.
2: Podcast Network.